Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, and welcome back to Give Us More. I'm Eve. I'm Megan. And you are joining us today with some very serious groundbreaking news. Today on the 2nd of May, 2021... Megan Powell has made a shocking announcement. She will be leaving. Give us morgue. For a period of time. I was going to say temporarily. Nobody panic. <laughs> well, at least I hope it's temporarily. I hope it's temporarily too. So, y'all, um, this will be my second last episode. So the crack is that we will be moving to Malta in June. And we have a lot of stuff kind of in between to get done. So... I don't really have time to work on the podcast in the interim and once we're in Malta it's like a new job we're going to be looking at it's a brand new life brand yeah exactly like it's everything is completely yeah different so um for the time that I'm over there I will not be on give us morgue yeah so we planned to take a season break Mm -hmm. um after this episode (laughs) Um, we were going to tell you all that we were going to take season break because we've worked really hard for coming on a year now. Yeah. It'll be a year next month. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just really felt like we deserved a couple of weeks off. And then Megan's boyfriend, Niall, just basically got an opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah. And the two of them are going to leave us for Malta for hopefully a year. <laughs> yeah. Well, a year to two years max. We definitely do want to come home. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it's yeah. it's something that we can't we can't say no to. Oh my god, no! You wouldn't. How could you say no to something like that? Mm. And it's all happened very quickly as oh. well. Like it really only came up kind of like last week, maybe the week before, maybe the week before. I forget to be honest. But um, yeah. Last week is when it was kind of cemented for us. Yeah, yeah. So the plan is just to keep you all up to date. Um, we're gonna go ahead with our season break that was planned for May. Um, we have decided to do one additional episode. Megan's going to leave us on a high note mm-hmm. and she's going to give us an episode next week. And then after that, I'm going to do a season break. I just haven't fully planned on when the season break is going to end <laughs> because I have to get some stuff mm-hmm. organized and ready and learn how to edit because <laughs> Megan did all that. <laughs> so you're going to have to bear with me while we go back to square one. one. <laughs> Well, I learn how to edit. <laughs> You'll be good. You'll but, be good. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> we're going to be taking a season break, but it's just going to be maybe a little bit longer. And as well, I'll probably look into maybe different uploads and mm, different schedule, different schedule and stuff like that, because it's now just going to be a one person <laughs> job. <laughs> 
going to, like, Neve will absolutely kill it, as you know. Like, she's, when she does her solo episodes, she absolutely kills it. She's going to do great. Absolutely. And mm. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. I'm nervous for me, but I'm excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the opposite way around. I'm nervous for me and I'm excited for you. <laughs> do you know what it is? It's actually just doing the episodes by myself. Yeah. Like, I was explaining this to um, Carl the other day, that, like, it's like me and Megan just bounce off each other. Yeah. Like, with our jokes and mm -hmm. all that kind of shit. And now I'm like, now this is going to be me and, like, the walls. And the walls. Like, like the walls aren't going to say something funny that I can roll with. Yeah. <laughs> like, Megan, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, that's our news. That is our news and obviously I'll keep you updated. Um, I will, you know, I'll we'll share probably, snaps. And... We'll probably plan some sort of maybe update or something. Yeah, like I'd love to then come on like during the year and yeah. just be like, hey guys, like, so not going to fully leave us. No, I'm not like dying, so. Yeah, it's just an opportunity of a lifetime that nobody could pass up. And especially if you live in Ireland, you will know. <laughs> you will know why she is leaving for Malta. <laughs> Look, obviously, naturally, the podcast is going to sound different. Because it's just going to be me. Now I'll probably look into getting like, like getting guests on and yeah. different things like that. And we have exciting projects coming up. Oh yeah, we do have an episode coming out with, with um, What's Up Doc. Doc. Gemma, it was fucking fabulous to record with. Yeah, even through all our technical issues. Oh, we had so, we had so many technical issues. Poor Gemma was like just sitting she there. Was, yeah. We were like, we're so sorry. <laughs> so unprofessional I apologize oh, I apologize but yeah so like we have exciting things coming up that we, we... do sorry I just wanted to say this as well because yeah. they gave us a shout out we do have a potential collab coming with, up with Morbidly Intoxicated yeah we had a little Skype call with the girls from there and oh, God, it was there, the so it was the best crack ever the best crack they're so funny they are yeah. literally the American us so it was great yeah go listen to them they're brilliant exactly um so like we do have exciting things coming up that we had pre-planned before any of this came around and as well i'll probably look into getting guests on and different things like that that still have to be worked out but just a heads up that naturally the podcast is going to sound a little different for a little while and um, but hopefully it'll be just as enjoyable mm -hmm. fingers crossed it definitely will be um, Carl said he'd come on for a guest appearance and I am going to hold him to that <laughs> but then I also feel like it'll just be people listening to us bicker <laughs> when Neve comes over to my house it's literally just me and Niall bicker <laughs> except I egg Megan on you do but I wouldn't mind when it's just me and Niall alone like we get on so well we're like love you babe we're like kissing all on and each other and then somebody's over. around and I'm like I can't let anybody know that I love this man that I live with <laughs> Except I make it ten times worse because Niall does something and I'm like, <laughs> did you see that? I'm like the little devil on her shoulder, like, do it. <laughs> Eat his head off. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so, look, I'm not going to lie, guys, okay? I'll probably get really super emotional when Megan leaves. <laughs> you won't. Absolutely will. Um, but that's, that's for next week's episode <laughs> where it's probably going to be 20 minutes of us sobbing. <laughs> So look out for that. It's just going to be me having a panic attack. Just going <laughs> and then me being like. <laughs> yeah. We actually. Actually this is really funny. So Neve came over. Today is Sunday. Neve yes. came over on Wednesday to record. And we sat up here. We sat here ready to record. And Neve was like. 
Or I said something about, what about a suitcase? And then that escalated into how much suitcases are. Flight tickets, how many suitcases we need. Do I need a pair of mom shorts? I said yes. That resulted in us looking on online shopping. (laughs) So we online shopped. And we are now waiting on our parcels. Am I I moving to Malta? No. (laughs) Did I buy stuff? Are you damn sure I did? We went downstairs to Nile and I was like, do you not know that I have to like do this by this time and then we have to get flights? And And then once again, I egged her on and was like, but Nile, listen. (laughs) And I was like, but y'all need to chill. Like you guys are up here and you need to be down here. And I was like, no, Nile, you need to be up here with us. (laughs) Megan like palpitating in the corner all thanks to me. This is not doing good for my heart problems. Nope. So, that is the crack. Look, mm-hmm. keep updated on our Instagram at GiveUsMorgue and on our Twitter at GiveUsMorgue where we will update you on Megan's new life. <laughs> My and new let you live vicariously through me though. <laughs> I can't wait. I'll be like, get shit faced. I'll get over there and I'll be like more depressed than ever. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> I mean, if I can't go... <laughs> Yeah, um, and also, you know the crack, okay? Leave us a review, screenshot it, send it to us, we'll give you a shout out. You know this. You know this. Did anybody, does anybody need a shout out this week? I don't believe so. I shall don't. we check? We shall check, because I, I genuinely forget. Now, you see, now I'm going to have to do all this by myself. <laughs> yeah, we got we got no re- new reviews this month, you guys, but we did... We did get an Instagram comment and girl. Oh, we did. And that comment was literally life. Okay. We, I, I love these comments. So it seems to be from somebody called Stella. And she said that she stumbled upon our podcast on Spotify and that she's been hooked ever since. uh, And that she likes to hear us try to pronounce cities in the US. And that put, was it Pulliallop? Yeah. Pulliallop? Pulliallop? Pull up. up. You guys know what we're trying to say. Yeah. That that was that well, was. Well you're great. in for a treat today, guys. Because there are many words I cannot pronounce in this case. <laughs> so, uh the case that we got for you today, we me and Megan are gonna collab on it. Well Neve did like most of the work and then I just kind of came she in. She says like, did most of the work. <laughs> I just did somewhat more than Megan is. <laughs> So today's case is Son of Sam, and when you are listening to this, uh, it is out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it should be. I'm super excited to watch it. I'm very, very excited. And you know what? I can't wait to watch a true crime documentary and not be like, okay, I have to memorize every single detail because I'm going to talk about this. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch Son of Sam. And like have it done. And have it done and just chill and relax. It was actually quite pleasant watching the Night Stalker one. Because yeah. I had covered him by that stage. Yeah. And so it was nice to just sit there and just watch it. Let somebody else have tell it to you. Exactly. Son of Sam is David Berkowitz. If you don't know that, that's his real name. So, Richard David Falco was born on June 1st, 1953 in Brooklyn, New York. His mother, Betty Broder, was an impoverished Jewish woman who married an Italian man, Tony Falco, which was... Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know, I'm so sorry. I have to pee. Go. Be free. I drank 
My Gatorade too fast. <laughs> Not my Gatorade. Not my Gatorade. His mother, Betty Broder, was an impoverished Jewish woman who had married an Italian man, Tony Falco, which was actually super uncommon back then. Mm-hmm. Um, like for a Jewish woman to marry an Italian man. Yeah, and sorry to interrupt. I heard that she was like more or less outcast then by her family. She was, yeah. Well, from what I could find, yeah. yeah. Then her family were like, "You traitor!" <laughs> it's so wrong, isn't it? Isn't it so unbelievable that like all because she married, she didn't marry a Jewish man? It's not. It's very. It's it's disturbing. Awful. Yeah. Like so, what if he wasn't Jewish? Damn. Now. <laughs> Having said that, Betty began an affair with a married man named Joseph Kleinman. Uh, she became pregnant mm-hmm. and was unsure who the father was. Was it Tony? Was it Joseph? We'll never know. And Kleinman didn't want a second. Kleinman didn't want a baby because he had his own babies. He had his own family, his own wife. And I think he pushed, I think Kleinman pushed for he her to pushed, abort. He pushed for an abortion, but she didn't want to, mm-hmm. which is well in her right. Mm-hmm. Tony, however, then left Betty for another woman. Rude. Rude. I mean, is it rude? No. She was having an affair with the married yeah. man and became pregnant At least by he him. left. Yeah. When she gave birth to her son, she originally was keeping him, Mm. gave him her husband, Tony's last name. Uh, But a few days later, Betty gave her son up for adoption. And the rumor was that Joseph threatened to leave her if she kept the baby. Mm -hmm. And so she decided she'd give the baby up for adoption. And yeah, because I, as far as my research led me to believe Joseph like treated her really well and like basically paid for like her apartment and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. She already had a daughter mm-hmm. with Tony. Like yeah. they already had a child and the child that she gave up for adoption it was Joseph's. Um but she was like what no it's Tony's <laughs> People and that affair went on for years. Didn't oh, it? it went on for years, mm. decades, I think. Yeah, it was. It was a, <clears throat> and they apparently both families knew about each other. And yeah, like uh, Joseph's wife knew about her, knew about Betty, and couldn't be me. Could not be me. No, thank you. I call if you're having an affair. You will no longer be because I will have your dick in my hand, and it will not be attached to your body. <laughs> I was like, where is this going? <laughs> Girl, where are you going with this? <laughs> I'm going to castrate him. <laughs> Yay! Snaps and claps. <laughs> A Jewish couple adopted Richard. Their name was Pearl and Nathan Berkowitz. They were roughly middle-aged. They owned a hardware shop. And they longed for a baby, mm. however, were unable to conceive themselves. Yeah. So they went and they got themselves a little baby. Little baby boy. Little baby boy. They rearranged the baby's name to give him a fresh start. So he became David Richard Berkowitz. Mm. Which is like, it's, I think that's nice. Yeah. You know, they were like, you know, he had a rough few days of his life. Let's, let's get him going let's again. Let's get him going again. Mm-hmm. Which is cute, in my opinion. (laughs) David was described as being difficult and spoiled. He would often break things in a tantrum. 
He was extremely intelligent, however, and struggled to pay attention in school. Yeah, which, I'd say they were going too slow for him. That's, yeah, like, he couldn't keep, like, his class couldn't keep his attention. Yeah. Because he was like, I know this already. Yeah. Which ain't me, but <laughs> <laughs> I get it. He would often skip school out of boredom, uh, which, you know what? I feel like I get. If you're in a classroom and you're like, I know this shit, why would you want to sit in it? Yeah. You would literally be like, can I not just like go to the library or something? I remember skipping school. I skipped school a, a good few times, actually. We used to get on the bus to Dublin, me and my cousin. Oh my God. Wild. That is so <laughs> wild. If anything ever had happened to you. I know. Which is nobody would really have bad. known where you were. I know. Anyway, sure. We were grand. Besides the point. And another time I skipped school with somebody else and her cousin. And I watched as the cousin huffed deodorant in front of me. It was a terrifying time. I kind of wished I was back in school. And then another time I matched. Who? Huffed deodorant? What would that do for you? I don't know. She said it got her high. I don't I believe her. don't believe that either. <laughs> but okay. Uh, yeah, another time I matched school and I was standing waiting for my dad to collect me because I told him that I left school because I was sick but I'd really just left. Mm. And my year head walked by me and she was like are you not supposed to be in class oh, and no. I was like sure am and she walked me back up to the school it was the most horrifying experience of my life I never mitched what I never mitched really yeah I never got it you're either going to be bored at home because all your friends are in school wait you mitched with a friend yeah, none of my friends would Mitch. <laughs> Where was I? Oh yes, he Mitched for boredom. He became obsessed with petty, petty larceny and he started setting fires and basically blamed voices in his head. Pearl and Nathan decided to tell David that he was adopted. However, they told him that his birth mother died in childbirth. And his birth father could not afford to care for him. Mm -hmm. I think this was their attempt at maybe they thought that this would help him. Understand. Understand. Like, it's like, oh, well, maybe mm -hmm. if we tell him that his birth mother died and it wasn't that she didn't want him, he'd feel a bit better. Oh, no, that's guilt central. Oh, that's yeah. I killed my fucking mother. And that's what happened. He then felt like he... He was the reason that his mother was dead. He, yeah. He killed her. And yeah. then he put his father in financial difficulty. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that Pearl and Nathan thought that they were helping, helping and yeah. saving him from not feeling wanted. Mm -hmm. I do believe that as well. I don't think they had a mean bone in their bodies. No. Soon after this, they took David to, um, uh, to a therapist. Mm-hmm just to help with his misconduct like he was just an asshole yeah basically mm. and so they were like all out of options yeah so they took him to a therapist in 1967 on october 6th pearl died of breast cancer and this like affected david massively mm -hmm. he was much more closer to pearl than he was to his adopted father nathan yeah and a few years later, Nathan remarried a woman named Mary. 
And David despised Mary. Mm. He felt like she was trying to replace Pearl and was like, but nobody could replace her. Yeah, well, that's a normal reaction, I it think. Is. And he was also really angry, from what I read, that he was really angry with Nathan yeah. for remarrying as well. Because he was like, like, Pearl was the love of your life. What are you doing? Yeah. Like. You have to, you have to move on, though. Oh, absolutely. You have to move on. And if it makes you happy, if that person makes you happy. Absolutely. Um, I understand from like a child's point of view. Of yeah. Being like, what the fuck? But he was in his teens, wasn't he, he? Well, yeah, he was in his teens. But, you know, still. Yeah. Still going to be. Feelings of, yeah. Yeah. David graduated from Christopher Columbus High School. He graduated in 1971. Nathan and Mary then moved to Florida and David joined the US Army. David was placed in the infantry division in South Korea and also served in Fort Knox. David was an E-Force specialist and he was honourably discharged from the army in June 1974 and returned home to New York. So I couldn't really find why he was discharged from the army. It, all I could find was that he was honourably discharged. So maybe he got an injury or maybe yeah. he just served served his time and mm-hmm. they're like, you know what, you can go home. Yeah. So. so David attempted to try and enroll in a few different community college courses to try and keep Nathan happy. So his stepdad kind of was like, look, you're home from... You're home from war. Like, what are you going to do next? What are you... Like, bro, you go to fucking war and then come home and tell me what to do next. Literally. Suck my balls. Literally. But, you know, you know 1970s parents. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Pull but, up your britches. I hate that shit. Like... Yeah, like, so... But college wasn't really for him mm-hmm. and he eventually just dropped out well he wasn't enjoying it he wasn't really paying attention and i think he actually was skipping classes and shit like that so he was like, okay waste money am, yeah why am i wasting my time david then got a job with a security company called ibi where he worked with the security dogs in training Aww, them oh i didn't know that what a wild job that sounds like my dream job that's yeah Except i don't think you're like you're allowed pet them and shit like that Oh, no. Then that would be my nightmare job. You're not allowed pet service dogs. You know, like... Yeah. Guide dogs. Yeah. You're not allowed to pet them. I and know. one time, ma'am pet one, and we were like, ma'am, no, you're not supposed to. Yeah. And she was like, oh, shit. She yeah, because like, like, distract so... them. Yeah, she was like, but he's so cute, look at him. I and I was like, yes, Linda, but there's a reason you're not supposed to pet them. I saw a Bernese mountain dog yesterday, <gasps> and it made my fucking day. He looked so happy. And I couldn't pet him because he was somebody else's dog. But like he, I was looking at him, and I, I know he could feel that I wanted to pet him. He could feel the love yeah. vibrating off you. Yeah, he was like, mm, she wants to pet me. Yeah, for sure. He also got a second job as a taxi man, um, roughly around this time. I couldn't find a specific date as when he started taxiing. I find this incredibly, like, unsettling. Like you. Do not know who you're getting in a taxi with. No, and I'm pretty sure, so I'm pretty sure that he started taxiing in his yellow Beetle, his yellow Volkswagen, Mm. roughly around the same time that like the murders started happening. Oh. So I don't know if he was taxiing in a different job 
in mm. a different car and then he got his yellow car. Yeah. And then continued to taxi. But the taxiing, I think, is somewhat linked in with when police start, like, investigating him and shit like that. Okay. David then began to hear the evil voices again that he once heard as a child. And he began setting fires again. So in September 1974, he set his first fire and this caused him to set a a ginormous string of fires. Jesus Christ. How many destroyed boxers were there, I wonder? I will tell you. So around this time, David also decided to look into who his birth mother was. Obviously, he thinks his birth mother is dead. Yeah. He just kind of wanted to connect with some of her family. Mm -hmm. And he did so... With help from the ALMA who help adoptive children find their birth families and Mm -hmm. they also help birth parents find their children that they gave up for adoption. So David eventually found his birth mother Betty who to his shock was very much alive. Mm -hmm. David confronted Nathan who explained everything. Yeah. So David naturally was hurt but also felt relief that he had not caused the death of his mother. As you would. Yes. So in May 1975, David went to go see his birth mother, Betty, and his sister. So David wrote in a journal that the reunion was good and happy, that everything, you know, mm-hmm. that they all got on. And yeah. it, was a ple- it was quite a pleasant reunion. Yeah. However... When David is eventually caught, mm. tabloids will say that the reunion was horrific. Yes, I heard him talk about this in an interview that I watched. Yeah, he said that the reunion was lovely. Yeah, and it he was got pleasant. really close with Rosalind. He, he got really close with his sister. Yeah. Um, they really, like, clicked and connected mm-hmm. and he felt like, oh my god, like, you know. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they made plans to meet up several times. Mm. But the tabloids, when he was eventually caught, were like, this is what caused him to go off. It's all about his mom. Look yeah. at that fucking bullshit, like. Yes. So shortly after David returned from meeting his birth mother, he left his job at IBI and he got a job in security at JFK Airport, where once again he would train the guard dogs. Mm. It's obviously his thing. It was obviously his job. Yeah. So... As autumn of 1975 was coming around, David stopped talking to his birth mother and sister, however, and he would barely leave his house. Um, he began writing on the walls of his apartment, quote, in this hole lives the wicked king, and quote, I must kill for my master, were things that were like written on the wall of his apartment. David lit his last fire on December 23rd, 1975, Making his total number of fires, you will not believe, a whopping 1,488. Oh, gross. Mm. Ew. That's a lot of underwear, David. (laughs) That's a lot of underwear. (laughs) I mean, a lot of fires. (laughs) Ew. Yeah, how do you get away with setting that many fires and just not having been caught? caught? Yeah, right? Weird. So weird. Then the next day, Christmas Eve... David drove to Co-op City and he stalked women walking around for several hours, as you do. The norm. The norm. David then saw Michelle Foreman, a 15-year-old sophomore at Truman High School. 
David stabbed Michelle six times, once being in the head with a hunting knife, but Michelle somehow managed to survive the attack. Amazing. David also stabbed an unnamed woman who sadly passed away. After that, David would stalk many women but would not physically harm them until the summer of 1976. And police never knew that this was David until he later confessed. So even as the Son of Sam crimes were happening, this was never once contributed to him. It was only until he got caught that he was like, oh, well, yeah, that was me. Done that, yeah. Done that. Whoopsies. My bad. Mm. Piece of shit. In January 1976, David moved out of his apartment and began renting a home from a couple. It was Craig Glassman and his wife. Mm. However, by the April of 1976, David just packed up and moved again, leaving behind his $200 deposit. Um, David claimed that the couple and their German shepherds, German shepherd, were demons trying to torment him. Mm -hmm. And as far as my information leads me to believe Craig Glassman is also who he said was in the cult (laughs) more on that later (laughs) David got himself a new apartment at 35 Pine Street Yonkers New York however David believed that his new neighbour Sam Kerr was a demon along with Sam's Labrador Harvey and that they were trying to take his soul David then tried to kill the dog by throwing a bottle bomb or like a... Molotov cocktail. Yeah, Molotov cocktail into Sam's apartment while Sam wasn't home. Mm-hmm. But luckily, the bomb... The fire didn't catch. Yes, basically. I don't know why that word would not come <laughs> The bomb failed to light and he also missed the dog. Yeah. So it wasn't gonna wasn't so, gonna work out. It didn't it didn't happen. And David just like ran back to his apartment and was like, it wasn't me. <laughs> I don't know who done that. <laughs> After this, David went to visit a friend in Houston, Texas, and while there his friend asked if he would be interested in buying his forty four caliber pistol. Yeah. It was just like a totally normal thing. Totally norm thing to do. David did, and he claimed that the voices in his head needed him to purchase that pistol. When David returned to his apartment in New York, he went back to stalking women. However, this time, he had a gun. So, before I jump into the crimes, we are going to take a quick ad break. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back. We are just about to jump into the murder spree of Son of Sam. So on the evening of July 29th, 1976, Donna Loria, 18, and her friend Jody Valentini, 19, were on their way back to Donna's house in the Bronx. The two girls were sitting in the car and talking when, out of the shadows, came David. 
He was holding a paper bag with his gun inside it. As soon as he got close enough to the car, he opened fire on the two girls. David continued pulling the trigger even after he ran out of bullets until he was safely back in his car and on his way back to his apartment. Jodie began laying on the horn of the car until Donna's dad came out to find the horrible scene. Mm -hmm. He drove his daughter and her friend to the hospital, but sadly, Donna had been shot in the neck and had bled out by the time they got to the hospital. Jodie survived the shooting, but Jodie couldn't really remember what her attacker looked like, and she wasn't really able to give the police a great description. Mm -hmm. At the crime scene, they found the guns shell casings and thought it odd that a 44 caliber was used as that was what was mostly used by gangsters and mm. in mobs yeah like it's a quite a big gun like we usually hear of like a 38 yeah the 44 is that's why police were like a 44 like that's something that like the mob uses yeah so the police ruled that the shooting was most likely a mob shooting uh, of mistaken identity mm. or a robbery gone wrong. Okay. Which, I mean, it's the, the robbery first... gone wrong doesn't really make sense because the car was never fully approached. No, but they were kind of like, maybe he didn't mean to shoot the girls. Maybe he meant to like shoot the wheels. You know, yeah. they're okay. trying to think because mm. he emptied, he emptied the gun like. Yeah. And I suppose the fact that he emptied the gun into the car would make you believe that it was a mob shooting gone wrong. Yeah. Because when it's, like, a mob shooting, that's generally what they do. They want to make sure that you're fucking dead. Yeah. David began to get obsessed with the occult and Satanism. He began reading books on witchcraft, black magic, and pagan, pagan gods and demons. He became obsessed with the demon Samhain. I was just about to say this. Is this where Son of Sam came from? But so, there's so many different theories on where Son of Sam came from. A lot of people believe that Son of Sam came from Sam Carr. Yeah. But that's what I believed. I'm pretty sure he even is like, no, no, some Son of Sam is Samhain. Yeah. Like it's Son of Samhain. Which is weird because that's our Halloween. That's the so <laughs> sorry sorry he, you're like shut up bitch <laughs> no no so he was obsessed with Samhain as the demon of death but really Samhain is a Gaelic festival to celebrate the end of the harvesting season and is and the start of winter which is commonly celebrated um around October um Around Halloween, basically. It, yeah. I I wasn't... I don't think it's October 31st, but it's roughly around that time. I yeah. think it's basically just whenever winter officially starts. Yeah. Like, because Samhain... Like, Halloween is a mixture of Samhain and, and other traditions. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Samhain isn't really, like, supposed to be something, like, super evil. Dark. Yeah. Yeah. But he thought it was... Because I think, as far as I know, it's actually a very common misconception. Because he's called, like, the demon of death. That's... And it's, like, linked in with Halloween. So people assume... That's kind of funny, though, that he's been celebrating the end of harvest. Like... <laughs> like okay. The end of Irish harvest. <laughs> like, yay, we had a good potato crop this year! Woo! Yay! Yeah, so... It was pretty wild that he, like, thinks he's, like, celebrating... 
celebrating some like evil demon and it's like woohoo the potato season was great (laughs) then on October 23rd 1976 in Queens sitting in their parked car was Carl Denaro, 19, and his girlfriend, Rosemary Keenan, 18, at about 2 a.m. David once again came out of the shadows with his brown bag, with his gun inside it, like a loser. Mm. However, this time, David went towards the passenger side, targeting Rosemary. David fired five shots before he fled on foot. Somehow, Rosemary was on air one Somehow, Rosemary was unharmed. However, Carl had been. He had been shot in the head. So Rosemary drove Carl to the hospital where he had surgery and thankfully survived. Mm. Yeah, now this guy, he needed a metal plate to replace some of his skull. But... That's hardcore. Yeah. But he survived, so that's good. Snaps and claps. Snaps and claps. Rosemary and Carl saw their attacker... Um, and the police did pull 44 caliber bullets from the car, but where the bullets were deformed, so they couldn't fully be linked to a specific gun. Yeah. <clears throat> Carl had long hair, so the police figured that the shooter was targeting women, and the shooter mistook Carl for a woman. Okay, yeah. But the police didn't initially link this with the previous shooting. Now, as far as I know, Rosemary and Carol, they did see their attacker, but they weren't able to give a fantastic description. Yeah. So police kind of didn't really have... And weren't they not able to put them together with these two in different boroughs? So wasn't there like... So the first one was in the Bronx. Yeah. And then this one was in Brooklyn, I think. Yeah, so the first one was in the Bronx, and then this one was in the in Queens, and then the next one happens in, I think Brooklyn, I think it's Brooklyn. So the majority of the shoot shootings happen within these three, like neighborhoods, yeah. but because initially they took place in three different neighborhoods, they didn't really link them because yeah, different areas. Yeah, it's a it's a big place too. New York it's New York, is yeah. massive. Like shootings happen all the time. Unfortunately, unfortunately, and it's. Like, it is, like, fucking Mob Central during the fucking 70s, like. Yeah. So, you can understand them kind of... Not putting it together. Yeah. Then, on November 26th, 1976, Donna Damasi, 16, and Joanne Lumino, 18, were walking home from a late movie. They were near a bus stop when they noticed that a man was staring at them from across the street. David then made his way over to them and apologised for frightening them. And he said that he was lost and if they could give him directions. As the girls began to give directions, David took out his gun from his coat pocket and shot them both. Having hit the two girls with just one bullet each, he then emptied the gun by shooting it into a nearby building. Weird. Super weird. So people were like, is it... Some people are like, was he celebrating the fact that it only took one bullet each? You know, like, was he like, oh my God, I'm getting so much better. Or was it to empty his gun so that if he was caught by a police officer with a gun, it was like, oh, it's empty. Why did he make conversation? This is completely different to... To his previous, Mm -hmm. like, before this, he was going up to couples in cars. 
And did the girls, they, did they both die? Joanne's family lived nearby and they heard the gunshots. So when they came out and they found the girls, they took them to, took them to the hospital. Both girls did survive. However, Joanne was left paralysed from her gunshot wound. Yes, um, I remember that now. Yeah. Once again, police found the shell casings but didn't link it to the other shootings. The young one, is that the young girl that she had school books in her hand? No, that's the college student. God, why can I, why am I getting these all mixed oh, up? Oh, well, because uh, there was like quite a lot of people yeah. who tried to kill. But it's, it's, I just think it's so weird how he approached them and he spoke to them. That like brings them to life a little bit. Like people sitting in cars, like you walk by somebody's house and you look in the window, they're just sitting there. You, you don't know that person. You don't know that person. They're completely strangers. Anything could happen to those, yeah. and yeah, you might feel sorry for them, or you know, you're excited, yeah. but you're not emotionally attached. But if exactly. you have a conversation with somebody, it's completely different. Yeah. So the police said that maybe this was a failed mugging. Like maybe he was going to attempt to mug the two girls, and then panicked, and then was kind of like, "Shit, I shot them." They're really putting a lot of. Well, yeah, the it, serial killer wasn't a thing. Serial killer wasn't a thing. And then you have to remember, it's New York. Mugging's happening all the fucking time. Like, New York, yeah. Do you know? Mm. Like, I'm sure they kind of see this type of thing more often than they'd like to admit. Yeah. So I'm sure they are probably like, probably a mugging. Not realising what's happening. Yeah. Because, and especially because the other two were in cars. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Yeah. So it's like, okay. The two girls, once again, did give descriptions of the shooter. But again, wasn't really clear enough. And as far as we know, I think it was slightly different to what the previous couple described. Suspicious. Oh, all different descriptions. Mm. (laughs) Then on the early morning of January 30th, 1977, an engaged couple, Christine Freund, 26, and John Deal, 30, were sitting in their parked car. David shot the car several times before fleeing the scene. John managed to survive, however, Christine had been shot twice. John tried to wave down passing cars for help before someone eventually called 911. Christine later died in hospital from her injuries. John didn't see his attacker. So, again, he he just comes out of the fucking darkness in the middle of the night. Yeah. Shoots up a car and fleas mm-hmm. yeah detective joe coffee and joe borelli searched the crime scene and found 44 caliber casings joe coffee began to suspect that these were the same casings as the previous three shootings okay so he's starting to put the pieces together he sends the bullets and the casings and all that jazz for a ballistics report which comes back to prove that It is the same casings in each crime scene. Yeah. The police then begin a very quiet investigation on the 44 caliber murderer, which is what he's first known as. Mm -hmm. On March 8th, 1977, Virginia Voskerichin, 21, was walking home from a late night lecture in Queens few blocks away from where Christine Freund had been shot. Okay. David came out of nowhere and shot her at point blank range in the face. Now, Virginia tried to hold up a book to protect herself, but the bullet just went straight through. 
It's awful, isn't it? It's like, how close was he to her face for the bullet to just go straight through a fucking textbook? Yeah, and those bitches are thick. They're thick with five Cs. Mm. Virginia was killed instantly. David had been spotted by several witnesses fleeing the crime scene in a yellow Volkswagen Beetle. A police officer also saw David flee, but he was trying to revive Virginia, so he wasn't really able to chase after. Which I can understand. Yeah. A woman's been what shot. Do you, do? do you go after him and just let her lie there? Or do you stay with her and see if you can either bring her back or see if she has a pulse or, you yeah. know. Like, help her at all. Help her at all. Yeah. Like, I can understand him staying with her. Yeah, me too. Do you know, it's like, I'll get him eventually. Yeah. This woman is dying on the side of the road. Like. Yeah. The police held a press conference later on in March. I couldn't. So one uh, few places said the 10th of March, like just a few days after her shooting. And then another source said like, I think the 17th or the 18th. So I don't fully know. Yeah. So just later on in March. <laughs> Uh, the police held a press conference to inform the public that the same forty-four caliber was being used at all of these crime scenes. They also told the public that he drove a yellow Volkswagen and he was attacking women. The newspapers ran wild yeah. with this. They were like, "It's he's going after women with dark hair only. Wild. The public felt extremely unsafe David loved the attention that he was getting oh he adored it he even saved some of the newspaper clippings that were written about him gross super gross gross. but he was living living for the attention Mm -hmm. then on April 17th 1977 at about 3am Alexander Isao 20 Valentino Serrani, I'm so sorry if I said that wrong, she was 18, were in their parked car in the Bronx when a yellow beetle pulled up beside them or near them. David shot twice, hitting them both. Valentina died instantly from her wound and Alexander later died in hospital. A handwritten letter was then found by a police officer near the crime scene and it was addressed to Captain Joe Borelli. The letter was full of spelling mistakes. But like, this is weird because he's smart, right? He's so smart. So here's what the letter wrote. Read. I am deeply hurt by you calling me a women hater. (laughs) So he spells woman, W-E-M-E-N. Women. Women. I am not, but I am a monster. I am the son of Sam. I am a little brat. When Father Sam gets drunk, he gets mean. He beats our family. Sometimes he ties me up to the back of the house. Other times he locks me in the garage. Sam loves to drink blood. Go out and kills, commands Father Sam. Behind our house, some rest. Mostly young, raped and slaughtered. Their blood drained. Just bones now. Pap Sam keeps me locked in the attic too. I can't get out, but I look out the attic window and watch the world go by. I feel like an outsider. I am on a different wavelength than everyone else, programmed to kill. However, to stop me, you must kill me. 
Attention he... all police. I'm sorry, but he just said, nah, but I'm built different. <laughs> I'll, I'll be built different. Attention all police. Shoot me first. Shoot to kill or else keep out of my way or you will die. Papa Sam is old now. He needs some blood to preserve his youth. He has too many heart attacks. Ugh, me hoot. It hurts, sonny boy. Me hoot. Do you know what that reminds me of? You know the owl in Animal Crossing? You know when you go and you wake him up during the day and he's like, hoot, hoot. (laughs) I miss my pretty princess most of all. She's resting in Our Lady's house, but I'll see her soon. I am the monster Beezlebub, the chubby behemoth. I love the hunt, prowling the streets looking for fair game, tasty meat. Oh, ew. The women of Queens are... The women... <laughs> the women of Queens are prettiest of all. I must be the water they drink. I live for the hunt, my life. Blood for Papa, Mr. Borelli, sir. I don't want to kill any more. No, sir. And I just want to point out, sir, spelt S-U-R. No more, but I must honour thy father. I want to make love to the world. I love people. I don't belong on earth. Return me to the yahoos. To the people of Queens, I love you. And I want to wish you all a happy Easter. May God bless you in this life and the next. And for now, I say goodbye and good night. Police, let me haunt you with these words. I'll be back. I'll be back. To be interpreted as bang, 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 bang. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. Yours in murder, Mr. Monster. This has Azealia Banks energy. Oh my God, it absolutely does. (laughs) (laughs) It's as chaotic as Azealia Banks is. Yeah. It's so all over the place. Chubby behemoth. Chubby behemoth. That's me. And he's like, I don't want to kill anymore. And then he's like, I love the hunt, my life. Yeah, I wanna I wanna fuck the earth. Yeah, and it's like, bro, which is it? Okay, either you don't want to kill anymore or you love the hunt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's maybe that's why you hit the Bronx twice or three times. Oh he well, he hit the Bronx Queens and Oh Queens. Was it Queens he said had the prettiest uh, yeah, Queens is, he said, had the prettiest girls. Mm. Had the prettiest women. Imagine being from the Bronx and you hear that, but fuck you, bro. Bro, my feelings. <laughs> the police held a press conference to try and calm the public down, but it was far too late. The sure, me- all the women were all dying their hair and buying wigs and shit. So the media, like, oh, latched on to that letter like there was no fucking tomorrow. Yeah. And they reported on it, like... Every fucking day. Yeah. So again, this terrified the public, and as Megan said, women began. I'm sorry. <laughs> women began to buy wigs and blonde hair dye to try and avoid being David's next victim because he was going after women with shoulder length brown hair. Yeah. So me or Megan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People became afraid to go out at night, and parents would no longer let their kids out by themselves. And I know you might be listening to this going, well, don't they shouldn't. But it was the 70s. So, yeah, you know, children were out in the streets until fucking all hours of the night. Yeah, living their best lives as as they should be able to. Exactly. The police set up a task force to try and catch the Son of Sam. And they named it the Operation Omega Task Force. 
An inspector, Timothy J. Dowd, was put in charge and over 300 officers joined the task force. So they were really putting everything into catching him, which is good. You know, a lot of resources, 300 officers. <laughs> Timothy Dowd suspected that the son of Sam had a vendetta against women. He had psychologists analyse the letter and they concluded that whoever wrote the letter might suffer from schizophrenia. It definitely sounds like it from the letter. Mm. Yeah. Well, because the letter is all over the place. Yeah, it's absolutely chaotic. Like he, he doesn't know what he's doing. No. So then this led police to investigate people who had recently been released from asylums. Okay. Which, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. On May 29th, David's neighbour, Sam Carr, had called police as someone had shot his Labrador Harvey. Mm. This was Sam's second phone call to police as he had rang them about about receiving threatening letters over his dog's barking. Yeah. And the police never followed up on any of Sam's phone calls. But thankfully, Harvey survived. So, obviously, David shot the dog. dog. Yeah. But the the dog went into the vest's had surgery and survived. On May 30th, 1977, a columnist for the New York Daily News, Jimmy Breslin, received a letter from Son of Sam. So, Jimmy agreed with police and only released snippets a week after he received the letter. But I think I have the full letter here. So, on the envelope, it said, Blood and Family, Darkness and Death, Absolute Depravity. And inside, the letter read, Hello from the gutters of NYC, which are filled with dog manure, vomit, stale wine, urine and blood. Hello from the sewers of NYC, which swallow up these delicacies when they are washed away by the sweeper trucks. Hello from the cracks in the sidewalks of NYC and from the ants that dwell in these cracks and feed on the dried blood of the dead that has settled in the cracks. JB, I'm dro- I'm just dropping you a line to let you know that I appreciate your interest in the recent and horrendous 44 killings. I also want to tell you that I read your column daily and I find it quite informative. Tell me, Jim, what will you have for July 29th? And in case you didn't know, July 29th is the is going to be the anniversary of his first killing, Donna Loria. You can forget about me if you like, because I don't care for publicity. However, you must not forget Donna Loria, and you cannot let the people forget her either. She was a very, very sweet girl. But Sam's a thirsty lad, and he won't let me stop killing until he gets his fill of blood. Mr Breslin, sir, don't think that because you haven't heard from me in a while that I went to sleep. No, rather I am still here. Like a spirit roaming the night, thirsty, hungry, and seldom stopping to rest. Anxious to please Sam. I love my work. Now the void has been filled, perhaps we shall meet face to face someday. Or perhaps I will be blown away by cops with smoking 38s. Whatever, if I shall be fortunate enough to meet you, I will tell you all about Sam if you like. And I will introduce you to him. His name is Sam the Terrible. 
not knowing what the future holds, I shall say farewell, and I shall see you at the next job. Or shall I say, you will see my handiwork at the next job. Remember Miss Loria. Thank you. In their blood and from the gutters. Sam's creation. 44. Here are some names to help you along. Forward them to the inspector for use by the NCIC. The Duke of Death. The Wicked King Wicker. The 22 Disciples of Hell. John Wheaties. Rapist and suffocator of young girls. P.S. Please inform all the detectives working the sling to remain. P.S. J.B. Please inform all the detectives working the case that I wish them the best of luck. Keep them digging. Drive on. Think positive. Get off your butts. Knock on coffins, etc. Upon my capture, I promise to buy all the guys working the case a new pair of shoes if I can get up the money. Son of Sam. That letter is completely different from the first letter. It's completely different. It's, it's well written. It has a point. It's well, it's not all over the place. Yeah. Like the first one that's found, that's for the police, is just... Jumbo, it makes no sense. He doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah. But this one, he knows exactly what he's trying to say. He's telling Jimmy Breslin, like, you have to remind the public of Donna Loria. Yeah, and it's weird that he has some sense of, not like regret, but he's like, don't forget Donna. Isn't he like obsessed with Donna? So, do you know the way in the first letter he's like, I miss my princess most of all? Yeah. A lot of people believe that that is Donna Loria. Yeah. That he thinks he's going to be reunited with Donna Loria when he goes to heaven. Strange. How does he think he has that relationship with her? I have no idea. There's no real, like mention of if they knew each other you know before he shot her or maybe he stalked her maybe he did stalk her for a while before he shot her because he would stalk women yeah before all of this maybe so david sent more letters signed as the son of son of sam to his neighbor sam Kerr and to his old landlord craig glassman in his letter to craig he said he killed to appease him right so the letter that craig received it was like i'm killing to appease you craig like i'm doing it for you Mm -hmm. david also wrote to jack cassara a get well letter signed by sam Kerr. so nothing was wrong with jack but it was like oh how's your leg or something like that it was after a he said that he'd fallen off a ladder or something yeah and he's like i didn't fall off a ladder yeah, he was like, what? So he actually rang Sam Kerr and was like, why did you send me this letter to ask me how I am? Mm. Like, mm. I'm fine. Wait, so... So Sam Kerr and Jack Cassara knew each other and Jack actually rang Sam because David signed the letter, Sam Kerr. Okay, yeah. And so... Jack was like, why are you writing me a letter to ask me if I'm okay? I didn't fall. Like, who told you I fell? Yeah. And naturally, Sam Carr was like, I didn't write that letter. Mm. And Sam then told Jack about the letters that he had been receiving. About his dog shouting, barking, and, you know, then someone shooting his dog. It was like, 
the letter was really weird it was like mm. you have done this like you have no respect for me and my family you forced me into this yeah it he's weird. like it, the letter to um sam Carr is like i know you're not a bad person but you don't respect me or my family like it was yeah really weird and also david doesn't have a family no but what so was David just saying that to throw off the scent of it being him? Or maybe it wasn't him writing the letter. Maybe it was not. And we'll get into that later. Yes. So both Jack and Sam took their letters to the police. Weird, that's my brother's names. Oh yeah. So the police were actually starting to investigate David because they had noticed that he had a yellow beetle. So obviously a yellow Volkswagen beetle is the car that they're looking for. So they run a search of yellow Volkswagen Beetles within the areas and David Berkowitz's name comes up amongst many other names. But, you know, they're obviously looking into all of them. I have to get this in here. I'm sorry. It's one of my last episodes. Ted Bundy also drove a Beetle. It's okay. Oh, your last episode should be Ted Bundy. I would rather stick a needle into my eye. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) We will never cover him. (laughs) So they also got a tip that Sam Carr, Jack Asara and Craig Glassman were all members of a cult. (laughs) 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 On June 26th, 1977, Sal Lupo, 20, and Judy Placido, 17, were sitting in their car in Queens when David came out of nowhere and shot them three times. Neither of them were seriously injured, but they did not see their shooter. So the city of New York was on high alert for July 29th. Mm -hmm. They were like, well, first of all, Jimmy Breslin received a letter to tell them not to forget the date. Yeah. They're expecting an attack. They're expecting something. They're like, most likely... He's going to kill somebody on the anniversary Mm -hmm. or something big is going to happen. Yeah. Like he's not going to let this just roll by. Mm. But nothing happens. He let it roll by. He let it roll by. And the city of New York start to feel a bit of relief. They're like, ooh, okay. We're in the clear. We're in the clear here. And then on July 31st, 1977, Stacy Moskowitz, 20 years old, and Robert Valetti, also 20, were on their first date. And David came out from behind a tree and shot them several times, hitting Robert in the eye and Stacy in the head. So this is the guy that was like, what the fuck just happened? Mm. And drove his date to the hospital. Yeah. Robert, he lost one eye. And he only retained about 20% of vision in the other eye. Oh. But Stacy, unfortunately, later died in hospital. She didn't die the day of. She was in hospital for a few days and then... Yeah, then passed. And then passed. So police are really starting to narrow down their area now. They have Brooklyn, Bronx and Queens. They're noticing that these are the three hotspots. Mm-hmm. And they're like, mm, okay think we got this you know yeah the police release a sketch of the killer on august 3rd they're like think okay you know Mm. let's get this rolling 
Yeah. People need to know what we've been working on. They then learn that David started working as a taxi man roughly around the same time as the Son of Sam murders. They're like, interesting him with his yellow beetle. He'd be very, he'd be very knowledgeable of the Bronx, Queens and Brooklyn. Yeah. Which is only natural to think. Mm -hmm. A witness then comes forward to say that she saw a man the night of July 31st in the same area that the murder happened and that he was coming out from behind a bunch of trees which she thought was a bit weird. He was acting very sketchy and she saw him pull a ticket off the windscreen of his yellow car. So police are like, "Mm -hmm. Mm. yellow car, police ticket you say. Mm. So they naturally you're like right (laughs) yeah who's got this ticket they do their search they find that the ticket was itch is issued to a david berkowitz because that's who owned the car Mm -hmm. so on august 9th detective justice queen name asked yonkers police to set up an interview with david and they will do so on august 10th and also a quick note that stacy was Son of Sam's only blonde victim. Yeah. So, like, everybody's freaking out, dyeing their hair blonde. This is going to send the town, the city, into a full-blown panic. Because now they're like, oh, fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, all the, all the girls out there with their fried-off hair going, fuck me. Yeah, I know. So, I have a few, just, Megan's going to tell us a little bit about, like, the aftermath mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I have a few things here. So, one of the Yonkers police that were informed that they were going to, that they wanted to interview David Berkowitz, was actually Wheat Carr, the daughter of Sam Carr. And yes, her name is Wheat. Okay. Okay, I double-checked because I thought that was (laughs) weird. That is her name. Internet was not doing me dirty. (laughs) Which I find suspicious. Mm. It is a bit weird, but sure. mm. I feel like she should not have been on allowed anywhere near that once she shouldn't have been once it was known that sam sam was you know friends Mm -hmm. friendly neighbors whatever you want to say yeah with david actually so when yonkers police went to david's apartment complex they looked in his car which was parked outside his apartment and inside was a rifle so then this prompted them to search the car even though they didn't have a search warrant Mm. In the car, they find a bag with ammo in it, maps of the crime scenes, and a letter written to Inspector Dowd that was signed Son of Sam. Police waited for David to leave his apartment before they actually arrested him to bring him in because they wanted to avoid a violent encounter. Yeah. They were, obviously, he wrote in his letters about being shot at. And that was the only way that they were going to get him. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, the best way to avoid this is if we just wait for him to leave. Mm. Once they found the Son of Sam letter, they then went to try and get a search warrant for his apartment. They had not yet received the search warrant when David was leaving his apartment at roughly 10 p.m. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So then Detective Faltochi. Sounds Italian. Sounds yeah. New york and Detective Gardella both went up to David's car. So David left his apartment, got into his car. Mm-hmm. And both detectives went up to either window yep. and pointed their gun at David. And were like, you're coming with us, bud. Gotcha. And I did read somewhere that one of them is Irish. Oh, uh, yay. Um, but they both sound like Italian names. But look, we'll I want to say that it's Detective Gardello, Gardella. Mm. He's like of Irish descent. He was like an Irish. I read somewhere that an Irish detective, um, like was involved, ar- arrested him. Yeah. So unless maybe just an Irish detective was there, mm. I don't know. But an Irish detective was involved. <laughs> so we'll take that. We'll take that. We did something good. <laughs> so yeah, when the police then went up to the window and yeah, they're like, "You're they- coming with us, bud." He said something along the lines of, "Oh, you finally got me." He's like, oh, you got me. And it's like, mm, like, what took you so long? And he's like, no, no, dude, you can't, you can't say shit like that to the police. They imagine, got you. Can you imagine being like, oh, you finally got me. Took you long enough. Like, I would get so mad as a police officer. Like, you're so rude. I will attack you. <laughs> so there is a little bit of conversation now. So mm-hmm. when... Okay, in regards to the trial, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself already yeah. here. So You're getting excited. <laughs> um, he decided to plead guilty. Now, yeah, so when they, like, question him, he's like, yeah, it was all... Like, he just comes straight forward with it, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, pretty much. So, after David was arrested, one of the biggest biggest issues was, is he sane enough to stand trial? Yeah. So, psychiatrists Daniel Schwartz and Rachel... Richard Weidenbacher Jr. did a report on David and basically concluded that he knew what he was doing and he Mm -hmm. knew that it was wrong but he was not interested in his own defence enough to go to trial. Okay. They claimed that he was quote emotionally dead. (laughs) Hmm. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Another doctor Dr. Abrahamson interviewed David and claimed that he knew what he was doing and he could assist in his own defence if he really wanted to. Basically, he was not insane, just uninterested. <laughs> yeah. Like, bro, you killed a shit ton of people. You're, like, just not interested. I mean, I think the way that it was was that he was like, yeah, I knew I was going to go down for this. Eventually. There's no point, there's no point in even. It. Yeah. So from what I know, um, when he's interviewed over the years, mm. until pretty much recently... He's just been like, I'm crazy. Yeah. I'm wild. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there was an original thing where they were going to like plead not guilty due to insanity. Yeah. Or, you know, try to get him into an asylum type yeah. of situation. He was just like, no, I did it. <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't. He, against like his lawyers, the psychiatrist, he was like, no, I just want to plead guilty. Yeah. I did it. I'm going to take... Th- Kind of the glory for it is what he wanted. Pretty much, yeah. It was like, I'm going to be famous. So yeah, I did it. I did it all. Yeah. It was my neighbor's dog. 
He told me to do it. Mm. And then he changes that story a little bit later. So yeah. at the time, the doctors that completed the first reports, so the mm-hmm. first two doctors, they then claimed that David was, quote, improving with treatment. And it was then determined that David was fit enough to stand trial. Yeah. So on May 8th, no, on May 8th, 1978, David went to court and pled guilty. The judge asked him if he intended to hurt two women he'd attacked in Queens. Mm. He responded with, quote, oh no, sir, I wanted to kill them. And then on May 22nd, which is just one day before my birthday, and one day after Niall's birthday, (laughs) he was a Taurus, I'm a Gemini. (laughs) I'm a Scorpio bitch, don't mess with me. Um, David was due to be sentenced, but mm-hmm. when he arrived at court, he started screaming and struggling with the security, shouting, I killed them all again. So he's <laughs> just, just really like, attention. Hone, bring home. home. Yeah. Yeah. So that he's like, just an asshole. Cause he's not even trying to plead insanity. No, he's just like, yeah, no, just sentence me like. I'm just a dick. I wonder, did he want to be sentenced? We'll get into that later. Sorry. I'm getting ahead <laughs> of myself. So there was three judges because there was all the different boroughs of New York. They all had to get yeah. together and like yeah. work together. They postponed the sentencing until June 12th. And on that date, he was sentenced to 25 years to life for each murder, six murders, um, to be served consecutively, meaning that he would never see freedom again. He was 24 when he was arrested. He's an old man now still living he out is, his yes. life in prison. He is. Um, and he has since been denied parole rightfully so yeah like they're never going to let him out but at this stage it actually really seems that he's he didn't want to go for parole the last time so it's actually really wild looking at interviews of him now like I am seriously excited for this new documentary to come out yeah because when you listen to him in interviews now he honestly you'd forget that he killed all these people. You and that do. he's a horrible, horrible human being. Like, yeah. you look at him and you're like, oh, he's just like a cute little old man. Like, what? Yeah. Because he's all like, he's found God and he's like, so sorry for the... Like, he's like, I understand. Like, I committed those crimes. Yeah, I should be locked I up for life. I should be locked up for life. And he's like, but I just, I am sorry that I did it. Mm. You're like, oh. Yeah, and I think it's just old men in general. They kind of get you. I felt the same way about William Herons, which he, he is still innocent in my eyes, and he's an innocent old man. He should never have died in prison. Fuck the justice system. But when I remember, I remember watching him and being like, I want to hug you. Like, a, yeah. you're just an old man. Like, it's like watching your dad or something. Literally. Like, you do forget that, like, he was going up to people and shooting them. Yeah. For no apparent re- well. For what was no apparent reason at the time. Mm. Now he has brought some new information to light. Yeah. But, you know. So when he was in prison, he actually was attacked. So when he first got to prison, he was still doing like the satanic like cults and mm. uh, the chants and shit like that. And from the story that I kind of picked up, basically yeah. his prison mate got pissed off with him and he slit. David's throat and he has a little scar but he did survive um, and after that this is when David kind of finds God um, another prison mate like brought him into the chapel and kind of started talking to him about a few things and that kind of spiralled from there and I think this is what really made David come forward with the whole this new information yeah, yeah. that the truth switch he's kind of like yeah shit. he's kind of 
It's almost like he knows that he's coming to the end of his life now. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like, I'm going to die in here. Like, you know. Yeah. I might as well die with the whole truth out there in the into the world in in the universe. So his truth, right, is that he he says that he was working with a cult. Now Which I mentioned earlier that yeah. the police were informed, were tipped off that Sam Carr, mm-hmm. his two sons, yeah, David Glassman mm-hmm. and Jack Cassara. Yeah, sorry, it's Craig Glassman, isn't it? Yeah, David. Craig Glassman. Craig Glassman and Jack Cassaro. Yeah. Or Cassara are all part of this cult. Yeah. Now there's other members. There is. Yeah. It's it's very underground. It's Yeah. I think he mentioned, I think he names them all. He has given a few names. There are people he still won't name because they're still alive. Okay. He's worried because. Yeah. He says that when you kind of join this cult, like it's a slow thing, you don't really realize that you're being entered into a cult. Mm. He starts off with friends, and yeah, I think it was the cars that he had started off. Like he had met up so, with John Carr. Um, was it John Carr when he arrived home from war? War. Mm-hmm. Like that's how early he is introduced into this. Yeah, he arrives home from war, and he meets up with. It's it's one of the cars. One I of think the cars. It's John. That he basically becomes friends with. Who says that he was not friends with David. That they were just neighbours. It's also a possibility that one of those car brothers gave the gun to David. Oh, okay. And apparently there was more than one Gun. gun. I have the name of the cult here. The name of the cult is the Process Church of Final Judgment. Okay. And these lads would meet up mm-hmm. in a park in Yonkers. Um, I think it's like Untery Park or something. Anyway, it was a park in Yonkers, right? Yeah. They that's would, where they would meet. That's where they would meet. That's where they would have their cult meetings. Mm-hmm. And David explained that when you join this cult, like you have to hand over photos of your loved ones you have to give them their addresses the cult Mm. members know everything about you it's basically so that you just can't leave yeah uh they told him to go and buy the satanic bible which is why he bought the satanic bible yeah so he as i mentioned earlier he starts studying the satanic bible witchcraft Mm -hmm. black magic all of that yeah all of that like paganism Mm -hmm. and he's is now saying he was studying all of that because he was in this cult and they were like, you need to know this. Yeah. So basically, when the apartment was searched, yeah, apparently there was a letter found that named the cult and that explained everything that David had written to the police yeah. in the case that his apartment would be searched. Yeah. So he says that he got a tip off from people in the cult. They were like, they're coming for you. The police are coming for you. In the next few days, you need to be ready. Mm-hmm. And that's why he wrote the letter. And apparently there was another interview done a few years after his arrest where he talked about the cult, but it was never aired. Okay, yeah. And there was bits and bobs of that in an interview that mm-hmm. I watched. And then, you know, then he goes to prison and people are like, why did you do this? And he's like, talking oh well the dogs told me to do it i'm crazy and like i said earlier yeah which um i don't know if you've ever seen mine hunter no um but those 
the mine hunter is based off two real police officers. Yeah. Who um is a couple. It's a BTK <laughs> is like so You know what? I'm, that's I'm sad that I never got to do BTK. Will you do BTK? I'll do BTK. So Mindhunter is basically about how they set up the profile of yeah, serial the, killer. Yeah. You know, how to profile a serial killer. But they they basically go all around the country, all around America, interviewing serial killers. Or yeah. what now they believe to be serial killers. Because serial yeah. killer wasn't really a, a term, term just yeah. yet. I think I watched the first episode. So in one of the episodes, they're like, we're going to go um, interview Son of Sam. And like in, obviously I know it's not the real interview. Yeah. But it is based off of behavior his behavior and he's like literally like the dog like he's just like (laughs) like you're like it's so theatrical that's exactly it like so theatrical and even like because obviously i had seen that i already knew somewhat of the son 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 of sam Mm. but i didn't know too much Mm -hmm. and then you know before i seen that episode and then watching interviews with him through the years like he is theatrical theatrical about it mm-hmm. and it's like who are you trying to convince me or you <laughs> exactly that's exactly it so what i was going to say earlier and then i thought i was getting ahead of myself did he plead guilty and just be like let's not waste time on a trial let's just go straight forward put me in prison to protect himself so yeah from what i've heard um basically the, i've watched something where he is kind of telling his side of the story and yeah he basically said it was set that if he was caught, he was going to go down for all of the murders. Yeah. Like, they had talked about it. Like, they were like, we're going to blame you. Yeah. You and he it. was like, that's fine. There was a law passed, the Son of Sam law. Yeah. Which meant that in the state of New York, is that a state? Is New York a state? No. Uh, Manhattan? Manhattan. New York. Manhattan, New York. I think New York is a state. Whatever, in the, within that state. <laughs> I don't know America. <laughs> um, the son of Sam law means that you cannot make money off of a crime that you've committed. Yes. Because, and it's, I guess because he was so theatrical, they're probably like, he's going to try and sell the rights to this. To make money off yeah. a movie, off a book, off, off something. something. He has a plan. Because he was so like... I'm crazy. Yeah. And he'd like take notions like mid-interview where he'd just be like, I'm done. Yeah. Like he'd be going hell for leather on his, on this act. Yeah. And then we'd be like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very strange to watch him. Very, very strange. But it's, then it's strange to watch like when he's first caught, you know, like when he is first doing his interviews when he's young, mm. in his 20s and even coming into his 30s and he's still going very like the dog told me to yeah it's just that simple mm. like a dog spoke to me told me i am nuts i am crazy blue <laughs> like you know yeah. and to watch him now he's so well spoken he knows what he's talking about he's references open his books ready to go he's he, like he just fully knows what he's talking about now and he's like i was made to do this I think that's why it's so easy to believe him now. Yeah, because he's so straightforward about it. Yeah, because he's so straightforward about it. And when you watch him from years ago, Mm. you're like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. 
Um, and as well as that, there was a guy that used to stay at the park, right? He wasn't a part of the cult. He was just this guy He'd that... would just be at the park. A watcher. People watcher. Yeah. And he knew about the cult meetings. He would see it. Mm. And he did recognize David from being at some of the cult meetings. There was yeah. also a building where some of the cult meetings were held. The church. Um, it wasn't mm. a church. It was like a, you know. Yeah, building. but it was, it was their church. church. Yeah. And David was seen coming in and out of it. Mm-hmm. David claims now that it started off with animal sacrifices and escalated into human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. There was evidence found of animal sacrifice at yep. the beach. No, not at the beach. At the park. At the park. Now, I'm basing this off one documentary that I've watched. So, Look, um, there is a lot more like information and evidence out there in the world. But to me, it's so damning. But I, I found it very, very interesting. And I was always like, well, if this is a theory, I want to delve into this theory. So this is so a lot of people believe now that he's just trying to pawn off mm. his crimes. Now that he's older, he's like, I don't want to be the only one. Like, yeah. I'm just going to name people. Mm-hmm. And that he's just, he's basic. Because he has changed his story several times before. Yeah. Like, there's been variations of, like, his story. Like, when he was first caught, it was the dog, and then it was something else. I can't fully remember. But I know this is, like, his third or fourth variation of his story. Yeah. And so people are like, no, no, he's just a crazy man who is just changing the story to suit himself. Which I can understand, because you see it. You do see it. Yeah. In serial killers. Yeah. Where they're like... I'm just going to say what suits me. Yeah, but um, he's resigned to living his life in prison. He knows he's not getting out. He's not going for any appeal. And that's the wild thing. Yeah. He's like, mm, it is what it is. Yeah. It's not like he's saying that, you know, I didn't do it. He's, he's not, saying that he didn't do it alone. And when you look at the evidence of different Sketches, witness different, descriptions. Yep. So like one witness describes a woman. Mm-hmm. Another witness describes blonde hair. Yeah, so they were like, oh, he was wearing a wig. David did not have blonde hair. Uh, And the police described him as having an athletic build and a sumptuous mouth. David had neither of these things. David was a chubby behemoth. He he was quite chubby. Yeah. And he had quite, he has quite thin lips. Yeah. So it's like, who are you describing? Who did you see? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, so this is why police always had trouble with the descriptions because they never fully matched one another. Yeah. Did another woman, another witness describe seeing several people or two people? I'm nearly sure. Yeah. I'm pretty, I forget. I don't, I can't remember at which crime scene, but at one of the scenes, a witness, I'd almost be 99% sure, describes two people Mm -hmm. at the shooting. It's like, well... Where is the second person coming from? Yeah. And it's it's wild that Sam Carr, who has been mentioned as being a part of the cult, his daughter is on the task force. Very weird. And then there is another thing as well with Stacey Moskowitz. Mm-hmm. So the rumor is, is that Stacey Moskowitz's murder was actually filmed. Yes. So this is quite disturbing. For This is going to be discur- disturbing for some people. But basically... There's a rumour that there is a snuff movie mm-hmm. of Stacey Moskowitz. Yeah. There is a rumour that there is a snuff movie of the shooting yeah. of Stacey and Robert. Mm-hmm. So after David's arrest, mm-hmm. 
a bunch like fucking over a, a dozen people were murdered of people shit loads of people were murdered that were supposedly involved with the cult yes one of these being john carr yes. and then john carr's brother like mysteriously not mysteriously he dies in a motorcycle accident but it's just i know and like there's gonna be people out there that are like that shit yeah. all the time but it's just coincidental okay and then there was this director artist fella mm-hmm. that was murdered right and supposedly the cult had hired this hitman to no sorry I got that wrong so the guy that had filmed the snuff movie the snuff movie was then murdered yes because the cult hired a hitman to take him out because they wanted to sell the movie on to this artist guy. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's exactly the right story. That's just as I recall it. But there's really weird stuff that goes on around David's arrest. Basically, mem- people that David have said are in the cult are mm. now dead. Yeah. They've gone completely underground too. Yeah. And there's other people that you just cannot find them anymore. Yeah. Whether they've mysteriously disappeared or gone into hiding mm-hmm. or whatever it is. It's just wild and also was it a few years or a year after david's arrest a murder happened in david's apartment in 2002 yeah there was another murder so a boyfriend killed his 20 year old girlfriend in a jealous rage Mm. it's quite wild like it's just wild i know that could just be its own thing but it's wild that it happened in the same apartment building Mm. in which like Sam Carr and his family were in and I'm pretty sure other members in the building that lived in the building were like supposed to be in this cult oh yeah like it's apparently like a known thing in New York like this cult is like a known thing it look it's hard to know is he is he fully telling the truth is he just trying to save his own ass now that he's getting a little bit older Mm. Does he just no longer want the blame to be on him? Yeah. Hmm? Well, so we will wait and see what this new documentary on Netflix. Well, what are we on? Fifty years now, nearly. Oh, he's not getting out. I know, but I mean, the case. Like, I wonder, will the documentary make it? Like, I wonder, is the documentary going to go a whole different way to what we're thinking? Well, from the trailer that I watched, they are going to definitely dive into his new, his new statements. Yeah. Good. Um, which I think needs to be done. And there, look, there, you're going to have people out there that are going to be like, he's just saying it to cover his ass, you know, uh, parole you know, hearings investigate it. and all this shite. But he's th- not attending his parole hearings. He's over it. He's not interested. And this is why I think, what's the harm in investigating it then? Mm. Like, if he's not wanting parole, why not investigate what he's saying? And right there, ladies and gentlemen, is where we're going to leave it for this episode Join us next week for Megan's last episode. We'll probably, you know what? We'll probably get drunk on it. <gasps> Fun! Yes! Love it. Live yeah. for it! Um, so join us next week for Megan's last episode. It's going to be super sad and also super fun. Um, and then after that episode, we are going to be taking a season break. I will be keeping you updated on social media mm-hmm. on when I'm returning from the season break and all of that jazz. And... We will also get updates from Megan here and there. Yeah. And look, I'm sure she'll hop on here and there as well as oh, a yeah. special guest. Have a bit of crack. Have a bit of crack from time to time. Yeah. Not all the time, just from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> and 
yeah leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast and if you do leave us a review screenshot it send it to us in a dm on instagram at give us morgue and i will give you a shout out on the podcast i have to get used to saying i yeah and not we yeah does this mean we have to change the name from give us morgue to give me morgue it sounds a little bit weirder with give me morgue give give me morgue give me morgue megan (laughs) fah Um, don't worry I'm not changing the name of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) I come back it's not even true crime anymore it's like rom-com it's just me like ranting down the the microphone at people (laughs) you just go people watching with your microphone like fuck you you bitch (laughs) that sounds really fun right I'm setting up my own new podcast (laughs) no um you also make sure to follow us on Twitter where I will keep you updated on new episodes and other nonsense. And if you want to see who you're listening to, you can always follow me on Instagram at Mrs. Underscore Neve. And make sure to follow Megan at... <coughs> I dropped my pen. Oh my at Meg, at Meg Powell underscore for updates on her brand new life. It's not until June. I know, yeah. But, you know... You might get to see some mental breakdowns here and there. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a suitcase. <laughs> we will get you one. It's okay. <laughs> and make sure to follow us on some of our other social media, like Facebook, which is just Give Us Morgue, and on TikTok at Give Us Morgue, where I don't really tend to do true crime related <laughs> TikToks, but it's still fun, okay? Yeah. And um, the website is always there www.giveusmorgue.com I mean it's there it's It's there okay I'll get cracking on it okay my season break is going to be me planning my next life without (laughs) Megan so yeah join us next week and it's gonna be sad but it's gonna be a wild ride too and um, I'm just gonna say get prepared for a little bit of a different podcast because obviously naturally it's, it's going to be, be different. different. Yeah. But hopefully in the best way possible. Yeah, absolutely. So, see you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.